Good morning. That's loud. My name is Tyler Harden, and I have the privilege this morning to not just serve this body as one of the servant leaders, but also get to bring God's Word to us as we worship today. So uh, thank you for being here, and thank you for uh, tolerating my inexperienced skill of uh, bringing God's Word, but I would pray that you would hear God's Word and not Tyler's Word. So let me open us up in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come to you today in prayer to give you thanks and praise. Lord, we thank you for the cross and your saving grace upon it. Lord, we thank you for the empowerment through the Holy Spirit on how to live our lives. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me today to your people, to what they need to hear, Lord, from you, not from me, so that their eyes and ears would be enriched by your word, as well as just um, their life focus, a focus of thankfulness. So, Lord, speak through me. Thank you. I'll just turn this over to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, this morning, what I would like to do is draw an analogy. That was, you hear my Texas accent and then draw, draw, draw you an analogy between your Christian life and a tree, of all things. Is the PowerPoint ready? Cool. Hey. The tree of thankfulness. So, for me, I'm a simple-minded individual, and to have a picture of the way things are really helps me understand them and apply them. So today I hope to use again this tree as an analogy of your life and your thankfulness that drives you as a person because you're a saved believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a little bit of a two-edged sword. One hand, always getting in front of a congregation and bringing God's word is always a little bit nerve-wracking because I don't want to dishonor God. I want to speak the truth. I don't want you to hear Tyler. I would like for you to hear God. And secondly, when you talk about having an attitude of thankfulness, my lovely bride is always there to remind me, that's not really a good attitude of thankfulness. And so no fault of hers, she's true. So today, I'm not just preaching to you. Of course, I'm preaching to myself in the sense of having this attitude of thankfulness. So why is thankfulness a continuous core driver in a Christian's individual and corporate life? So my wife, in her um, wisdom, said, what in the world is a continuous core driver? So I said, okay, fair statement. I'm in the engineering world, so I'm always thinking about these things. So what I mean by that is the essence of who you are as a person living your life for the Lord. Thankfulness should be at the core of everything that you do because of what Jesus did for you on the cross and me on the cross. That should be the attitude that we have. So continuous means that it's always something there that's behind you that you think about. Being so thankful to God and what he did. And of course, core driver. That's what makes you go as a person. What makes you who you are and how you act and how you behave as a person. So, again, my analogy is of a tree. So the, the reason a tree is, is because it's a great depiction of our life. A tree has roots, right? And everything from the root system is what supports the tree. And then it's got a trunk the main support of the rest of the tree, and then which branches off into, of course, branches and leaves. And I'll draw the analogy as we go here on how your life reflects a tree, and in this case, a tree of thankfulness. So when you think about a tree, what do you think about? Where do I plant the tree? Why is planting the tree an important aspect? 
And so in your life, why is planting your life or putting your life wherever it's at an important aspect? Because of the many aspects that a tree needs, the many things that a tree thrives on, what does it need? More sun, less sun, more nutrients, less nutrients, more water, less water, so on and so forth. So this, this tree and the location of the tree is an important thing that we think about. And of course, and when I'm thinking about environment for the tree, the other thing that pops in my mind because I'm a parent of four kids is Proverbs 22.6. So what's Proverbs 22.6 say? Does anybody know? If I call on people, I was told not to do that. Don't, don't call on people from the congregation. Last time I said, hey, raise your hands. I forget what the issue was, but raise your hands about this. I was probably told I can't do that. You can't ask people to commit by raising their hands. So anyway, I won't ask you to do that. 22.6 says what? Bring up a child the way he should go, and he will not depart from those paths. That's a titleized version, but that's the essence of it. So, when I'm thinking about environment for a tree, I'm thinking about that environment for a life and as a parent. Now, but that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, and that's not what I'm talking about today. But <clears throat> So, where does a tree go? Where is the best place to plant it? Why? What does it need? What kind of tree is it? So on and so forth. These things are all important aspects of a tree's life. The next thing you talk about when you're talking about where to plant the tree is what kind of soil do I need the tree to be in? Is it black soil or red soil or gray soil? And, of course, what makes all those soils different is all the nutrients and minerals that are in the soil. And why is that important? Well, this analogy that of the tree and your life is where you're planted as a human. What you, as a person, as a believer, draws its nutrients, draws its life from, is very important. It's very important. So, let's look at what the world says or what, the way God made plants. So this is by www.soil-net.com. It says, Virtually all plants need soils in which to grow. Soils do three major things, enabling the plant to grow. They provide support, just structural support for it, to keep it firmly planted, to keep from blowing over by the winds, or blowing over because a cow pushes on it, or whatever the case may be. Uh, the soil provides water for the plants, which, of course, uh, enters the roots through the soil. And finally, they supply the nutrients needed for the plant to grow. And so the soil analogy is important because what we as people need to grow and to prosper for the Lord it's imperative that we're fed correctly. We're fed through God's word. We're fed through encouragement by others. We're fed and watered by things that God wants us to be fed and watered by. But in order to have that proper feeding, the proper uh, things that we need as a Christian, one first must be saved. Must be saved. So... John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, 
And whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So why is that good news as a person? It's good news as a person because for ages, we as people, people in general, have always tried to prove their worth by what? Their acts, their doing, how they justified their life by what they did to appease whatever. So for years, the entire Old Testament of the Bible talks about this effort, this effort. But in the beginning, there was one man that stood out, Abraham. And why did he stand out? It was because it was by faith that he trusted the Lord, not by something he was doing. So John 3.16 says that God sent his son to help bridge this gap, this gap of our failure and our ability to work for salvation into a grace salvation. So Mark 4 also tells us about the importance of the soil. And here we can see that Jesus in his parable of the sower depicts the soil as an imperative piece for the plant. And in his parable, of course, he's talking about us as people. This plant and how and where it gets its nutrients to grow up to be a healthy and uh, productive person in this case. So you can see that he gives this analogy. Some fell on the soil by the path, and guess what? The birds came and ate it. Some fell on rocky soil, which sprang up quickly. And then what happened? The sun came out and scorched it and burnt it up. Some fell among thorns, and when it grew, it was choked out by the worries of the world or of the world itself. And last, some fell on good soil, and produced much grain. And in my analogy, the good soil itself is God himself through the Holy Spirit. So Romans 3.23 in the, helps us understand where we stand as people as we measure up to God. And God makes it clear that we are all sinners and we fall short of his glory. In Isaiah, it talks about all of our good things that we do are like filthy rags to God. So we ourselves, in ourselves, are not sufficient to bring God glory. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Peter 2.24 He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This is God clearly telling us that by God and his way, we are able to be healed. And his way is through the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no man may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It is by grace through faith 
that you can have a right relationship with God. God demands a penalty, a punishment, or a, a sacrifice for sin. In the Old Testament, through the whole Old Testament, they were under a set of laws that said, under this kind of sin, you have to sacrifice this kind of animal to pay the price for that sin. And all these different sins they had, they would sacrifice different animals. But none of these animals' blood was perfect, was pure. None of the animals satisfied all the sins. They paid for past sins, certainly didn't pay for future sins. And they weren't sufficient because they weren't perfect. But God sent His Son, the perfect Lamb, to be sacrificed for us, for you and I. So that He could pay the price that was owed for the sins that we have, that we've committed, and that we receive through the blood of Adam. And God gave us a way to be right with Him. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Confession... And repentance and acknowledgement that Jesus paid the price that you owe God is your way to salvation. Acts 3.19 says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. So today... Before you can have this foundation, this soil that helps you in your life to serve a, law, a holy God and be set apart for Him, I implore you on Christ, Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is the good news to which we have and that we have to be thankful for. This is the good news that Christ paid the price that we owed God and by faith we can trust Him that he paid that price for us and, and paid the debt that we owed God so that we can be made right with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So nothing we do short of receiving this free gift of grace and love from God can save us. God saved us. So, good news indeed. So, good news. Why is it good news for us? Why should we be thankful? Well, here's some examples of why we should be thankful. We are no longer slaves to our sin. Before, when we were in our old self, we are slaves to selfish desires. desires slaves to all these things of the world. Lust after things. The, the unsatisfaction of getting something that you've always wanted only in three days to be dissatisfied with the thing that you always wanted. All these things that you lusted after and desired in your flesh, you have no more. Because no longer is that your desire. Your desire is, to, is the Lord Jesus. And His saving grace in your life and serving Him. No longer are we enemies of God. God says in His scriptures that before we are saved, we are enemies of God. I don't like the position of being an enemy of God. Because guess what? I know I'm going to lose. We're recipients of a free gift. The gift of salvation. It's by grace you have been saved. It's a free gift that God offers us as individuals. 
It's awesome and very uh, thankful for that. We also have a guarantee. The guarantee is the Holy Spirit sent to us. This is our guarantee of assurance that we are saved and that one day we'll get to dwell with the Father. And he also, another point, is that we need to be thankful for all the things that God has empowered us to do. God says he gives us everything we need to live out this life. We don't have to rely on ourselves. We don't have to rely on others. We can rely on God to supply what we need, when we need it, and how we need it. So the helper, in my analogy, is the soil for your roots. How do I live a Christian life that honors God and brings God glory? It's by being supplied the proper nutrients and water and support that I need to be that person that he wants me to be. So the Holy Spirit, God says, is the helper. John 16, 7 through 15 says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for will, for he will take what is mine and declare to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This helper empowers us and gives us what we need to be able to live a life honoring to God. He's our personal translator of God's word. Helps us understand and apply God's word to our lives. The Holy Spirit gives us the words we need to say and to bring, that brings God glory and renews us day by day. The Holy Spirit empowers us, making us sufficient for God's service. This is what feeds the roots. This is what we need as Christians to walk through this life in a way that's effective for our Lord. So let's, in my analogy, we have the roots, and the roots are all into the Holy Spirit, so to speak. And He's supplying our nutrients and water and support that we need to live our life. This trunk is this continuous core driver that I'm talking about. This is our life mode that we as people, our demeanor, our attitude, our who we are as a person that helps supply us to live the life that we need to live to bring God glory. So Colossians three twelve through 17 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. you so you also must forgive. 
And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of God, peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So this trunk, this core competency of you, is indeed a heart of thankfulness because of all the things that God has done for you, the saving grace that He gives you, the empowerment that He gives you to live a life that glorifies Him, the assurance of eternity with a loving God, all these things that He gives you, this should drive this thankful heart that you have, the thankful attitude, the thankful demeanor, who you are as a person. So from the trunk of this thankfulness, of course, stems branches, right? So you have the Holy Spirit supplying who you are for your core of who you are, your attitude, your demeanor. That works through the trunk, who you are as a person, into the branches. And these branches, in my analogy, are the different areas of your life, whether it's personal, whether it's professional, whether it's your church life, in the community as a general, a, 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 a citizen of this country, a citizen of the state, whatever it is that it is, this thankfulness should drive into each one of these branches to empower you to do the things that God has called you to do. So Galatians 5.22, we all know, right? As a believer, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things we cannot do in our sinful nature. In Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, we are called to put off the old man which is inside of us. Why do we need to put that off? That doesn't breed from a heart of thankfulness. That comes from a heart of selfishness. All these things that the Bible tells us to put off. Anger, uh, malice, slander, all these things. And you can go through there and read those in detail. <clears throat> all these things that we need to put off in our old man, God empowers us to live as a new man or new woman in God, doing what he has called us to do. But at the end of these branches, in every one of these sectors of your life, segments, areas of your life, the branches lead to leaves, right, on a tree. And my analogy of the leaves are your acts that you do in life. So in every one of these areas of your life, you need to be doing acts, or you should be doing acts that honor the Lord. Right, as we read in Ephesians, these things that you were predestined to do by God, these, these deeds that He called you to do. So let's go through the, the first one, personal life. I just did three of them here in my example. So, in your personal branch, your attitude of thankfulness helps you in your relationship, first of all, with God. It's a great perspective. It gives you resolve in your state of life. Why am I here? We heard Paul talk about in his uh, uh, New Testament books about no matter the state that you're in, you need to be thankful. 
Right? And he talks about if you're a slave, don't desire to not be a slave, but be thankful in the position you have and serve the master the best you can. And I can almost liken that to us in the professional world who are slaves to, you know, to uh, all these guys that we work for. And the Bible does say a debtor is slave to the lender. Right? And in essence, in our professional world, that's certainly what we're doing. But anyway, so in our personal branch, we, no matter what state we're in of life, we need to be thankful. And sometimes that's really difficult. I understand that. Uh, the best that I can understand it. But God knows. God knows. So, we need to be thankful too for our health. Our health does like this for most of us as we get older. Some days are really good and other days are really tough. But even in those tough days, we need to be thankful, right? Thankful that this is just a temporary dwelling that we're in. And one day we'll be given a perfect body that has no more pain in the joints or aches here or whatever, headaches there. Whatever the case may be, all that will go away. So now it's a temporal thing that we're enduring to get to the end and that's to be with our Father in heaven. So thankful for your family. I, I thought about this. I had a rough teenage years, I should say. My parents divorced when I was 12. And at that time, as I said, I was a, a, a non-believer. And my whole world was in the family. You know, the stability at home. My mom and dad's relationship, that was my stability and where I found comfort and joy. And if that was disrupted, guess what? I certainly was disrupted. That kind of thing drives us in a time of tribulation to the Lord. I did, even as a non-believer, since I was exposed to uh, several vacation Bible schools, go to the Bible. Even though I wasn't saved, I pursued the Lord because I needed something above me, beyond me. I couldn't control my parents and their relationship. But I needed something outside of that to go do that. So, of course, I fled to the Lord in my unbelieving state, I must confess. So, even in our family trials, we need to be thankful. Uh, the, the family get-togethers for me as a kid were always that way. It was always a time of uh, challenge, we'll say. Because not everybody always got along. Because we were, there was a bunch of heathens, right? And you have a bunch of heathens that get together, guess what's going to happen? Heathen activities. It's that simple. So, it, it was always a challenge whenever we had our family get-togethers. It wasn't always joyous. As a kid, of course, on the outside looking in, I was just you know, thankful it wasn't me in the middle of that trial. But it was always going on. It was funny at times, but it was sad. So thankfulness gives you a proper perspective in your relationships. Knowing that God loves the world... Even that wretched sinner that we look down upon, God loves that person and gave his life for them. True is the fact that God saved me or you, that's a miracle in and of itself. We were in the same boat as that wretched person that we see, that we think is wretched. So since God loves the world and loves those who he called to be saved... We too are called to do that. And this attitude of thankfulness for what God has given us in salvation when we didn't deserve it should overflow into the love we have for others and how we express ourselves to others and how we share God's love with others. 
All of this stems from this heart of thankfulness because of what God did for us, for me, for you. So let's go to um, the next one. So before I get into this one, I will say, while I refer to this one as the professional world, I will say that um, I have a lot of respect for you guys that stay home. My wife washes countless clothes every day of the week, does countless dishes, washes the floor, washes the window, all these things she does in this non-gratitude environment for the most part. And I, I, of course, do my best to encourage her in that. But nonetheless, while she's not under the master at work, she still does all these things. Or he, or if you're a stay-at-home dad, whatever the case is. There's so many things that you guys do that we're thankful for and I'm thankful for. But in the professional world, we also have this other issue. And the issue is how we behave around others. And this behavior around others is important because we want to be called to represent the Lord in the workplace. And this is the reason we're there. God has put you in your workplace for a reason. And it's not just to provide provisions for your funds and to enable you to make a living so that you can uh, you know, pay for all the things you need and give to others. It's also there as a witness to the non-believing world. We, uh, I'm in sales, and I see lots of unbelieving people in the world. Or if they're not, they certainly act like it at times which we can all do. So I'm not judging them from that perspective. But what I'm saying is we have a perfect opportunity in that environment to show God's love for them, to, to do the things of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, which is tough. It's not easy. And that, to me, that's where the rubber meets the road. And these leaves, this analogy of the tree and the branches and the leaf coming out, this leaf, these actions that you do in the workplace make a mark if they're for the Lord. And if they're not for the Lord, guess what? They make a mark too. So the challenge is in this attitude of continual thankfulness, you remember the importance of every act that you do, every action that you have, in such a way that it shows Christ to the world. So... The challenge that we have, whether we're at home or at work or wherever, is this continual supply of thankfulness in our actions and deeds, in our attitudes, in our demeanor, in all those, and walking through and practicing the fruit of the Spirit. And for me, probably the greatest challenge I have is um, my words. So I know you guys are probably all different and your words are perfect, but for me, this is a challenge. Right, because at work you're exposed to all kind of things, all kind of uh, non-encouraging um, words, we'll say. In that same way, we have to be careful not to fall into that trap, the trap of that environment that we're in. Before I was saved, I was a machinist. I worked at one of the local machine shops, and in that environment, there was nothing but lots of cursing. I mean, that was part of that culture in the machine shop. And before I was saved, I was right there in among them, speaking just like them. And it was a tough habit, once God saved my soul, to put off that old man that was there and put on the new man and stop being that uh, sort of representation 
of the Lord. Because guess what? People knew they were, that I was saved. And uh, at that time I wrote John 3.16 in the back of my red toolbox. So I said it to the world. I was telling the world. And to pull away from that and put on um, my new man, the new man that God has given me, put that on and represent the Lord in the workplace was a challenge. It wasn't instantaneous for me. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will. So, through God and through His renewing of your mind, which comes through the Holy Spirit working through God's Word and the Scripture, you can put off this old man and put on the Lord Jesus and what He would want you to do and bring honor and glory to God. Okay, so the last of my branch examples, there, I'm sure there could be many, many branches, but I had three. The last one was church. And this is a church for the Harden family is a big part of our lives. Something that we're heavily involved in. We do a lot. And the reason we do that is we think it brings God glory, right? And serving in Him, knowing that ultimately we will be with the Father. We want to be around His people. And ultimately we'll be in heaven. And God gave Adam and Eve something to do, right? God didn't say, here Adam and Eve, here's the garden. Lay around and eat fruit and do what you want to do. That's not what He said. What did He say? Work the garden. Work the garden. So I think God wants us to have something to do, obviously. But even in heaven, He's going to have us something to do. It won't just be worshiping the Lord, which it might be. I don't know. What am I know the mind of God? But in my analogy of the garden, I think we'll have something to do, a work to do. If it's polishing the, the golden road, I'll be a polisher to the best of my ability. But whatever it is, whatever it may be. So the point to that is God, through the Holy Spirit working in your life, can empower you to produce the fruit that brings Him glory. So hopefully this was a short sermon. I didn't check my time. Was it? Do I need to go on for a few more hours? No. All right, so... Here's the point. Your life is like a tree. The analogy that I'm drawing. Planted in the right soil, which in our case is the Holy Spirit, solidified in God's truth that we are thankful for what He did for us. Thankful that He saved our souls. Thankful that He empowers us to live the life He wants us to live. Thankful for those around us so that we can love on our brothers and sisters in Christ and also love on the world and tell the world about Him. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So first and foremost, you have to be saved to have the Holy Spirit's supplying you nutrients and water and support. You have to have that to nourish you as a Christian. Without salvation, then God says you're, 
you're in trouble. You're in trouble with him because he says there's a debt to be paid for your sin. Trusting in Jesus to pay that debt for you is salvation. Is God's good news to you to save you from the due punishment that is owed you. But Jesus took that debt for you and paid it on the cross where he gave his life and shed his blood to pay the price that God demanded. Trusting in that gives you a life that's supplied by the Holy Spirit. And this supplication to your life, the ability to put off the old man and put on the new man, the ability to be empowered to do the things that God has called you to do, is something that we need to be thankful for and should be thankful for. This should be the center of our lives. So the question is, are you glorifying God with an attitude of thankfulness? I confess I'm not always doing that. I struggle with that at times. It's usually whenever I put on the old man and want my way. Which is not good. Okay, so here's the analogy of the tree. Foundation firm with the Holy Spirit. The core of thankfulness. The branches in your life where your thankfulness flows and the leaves, the fruit, the action that you do in order to bring God glory. Thanks for listening. Let me close this in prayer. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning in prayer. Thankful. God, thankful to you. Thankful for you and your sacrifice for us. Thankful for the cross and the saving grace upon it. The free gift that you offer us. Lord, and all we have to do is confess you as our Lord and Savior. Believe in you that you died for our sins. We're raised from the dead. Lord, and turn. Turn from the old man. Repent. We thank you for today, Lord. This is a the weekend of Thanksgiving, Lord. And so help us not just to have a weekend of Thanksgiving, but a life full of thankfulness. It brings you honor and glory. We thank you so much and love you. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.